0: Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax.
1: It's Al Cole from CBS Radio and I want to tell you about a renaissance woman who excels at everything she puts her innovative mind to and you know, I'm going to start it out like this What would you say if I told you that I was going to introduce you to a lady who is a very successful business entrepreneur and a world-class creative force as a realtor, interior designer, hosts charity golf tournaments for wildlife, and is the cutting-edge author of The Stunning Magical Forces Within. Well, Al, I'd say make the introduction, brother. (laughs) I've just been dying to learn some of all of those things from somebody who sounds like a real magnetic lady. (laughs) Well... You're in luck because not only can you learn about the fabulous life accomplishments of this woman, whose name happens to be Rhonda Grant, <laughs> but week in and week out, Rhonda will introduce you to some of the most exciting guests on the planet as she hosts her own awesome podcast. The Rhonda Grant Show on Contact Talk Radio. Week to week, Rhonda skillfully weaves the magical forces within her with the extraordinary discoveries in the sometimes ordinary lives of her guests who blossom before your very eyes through the guidance and know how of such a skilled and sensitive host as Rhonda Grant. You got to check it out. Check out all the action at rondagrantauthor.com. That's Rhonda Grant Author. to witness the extraordinary discoveries in otherwise ordinary lives. And I hear some of you asking right now, well, Al, how do you know all this? (laughs) I'll tell you. It's because I weave some of the same magic on my own nationally syndicated show called People of Distinction. It's all about humanity at its best. Every guest with extraordinary things to say about the magical forces within life itself. Get it? So check them out. The Rhonda Grant Show, Extraordinary Discoveries in Ordinary Lives, and People of Distinction created by me, Al Cole, from CBS Radio, now hosted by my amazing son, Benji Cole. You can check out People of Distinction on Apple Music or email me for exciting updates on my music and my books, too, especially Romance for Women on Amazon. Email me at al at alcoaholic.com. You heard me right. That's A L at A-L-C-O-L-E-H-O-L-I-C.com. And I really want to thank my CBS radio listeners for coming up with that handle, Alcoholic. (laughs) Seems like from day one, my listeners have been saying, Al, we love what you're doing there, brother. In fact, we're hooked on it we're alcoholics so here we go in classic form with a swing of a golf club as she hosts another charity golf tournament for wildlife and another incomparable ronda grant show so all together everybody here's
2: ronda thank you for tuning in you are listening to the ronda grant show right now and i have many great guests in this show and i have a great guest coming up If you've been searching for a deeper meaning in your life, go to Amazon and pick up my book, Magical Forces Within. You know, we're all ordinary people have an extraordinary experiences. And we have a fantastic guest on the show today, Brian Searcy. And we are going to find out about his extraordinary experiences. Brian is the president of the Paratus Group. His vision for the Paratus Group is to redefine how safety is learned to make schools, churches, the workplace, and our communities as safe as possible. His unique experience and expertise with the help of the Prada's group team have revolutionized how situational awareness is trained and learned, allowing the opportunity for every single member of our community, the true first responders to be prepared for the real world. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show, Brian.
0: Thank you, Rhonda. I'm excited to be here.
2: It's really nice to have you on the show. Thank you so much. How did you become involved with redefining new how safety is learned?
0: Yeah, so I retired in 2010, um, had a fantastic career, 23-year career in the Air Force. I did a number of things uh, prior to founding the Paradis Group. The one I did right just prior to this was developing a program with a very good friend of mine on how to teach personal skills to high school students. Because the the statistics say that most high school students, when they graduate, don't have well developed personal skills. And to do this, we did a lot of research and and realized the only way to establish the habits and behaviors and a mindset to be able to use those skills was through micro e learning, not the traditional type training where you were having a one hour class or a two hour class, and a week later you forget all the information. Mm -hmm. Then, about four years ago, while we were doing this, I was introduced and brought into a group of folks to try and help solve the active shooting problem. And they brought me in because of my background in leadership and my background in training and executing. Um, And it was then that we started putting programs, active shooting shooter training programs together. I, at the time, um, while they were doing all the active shooter scenario training, with students, I was putting together a program to be able to prevent active shooting events from happening. And then in the end of 2019, I realized that those guys just really wanted to continue working on the active shooting scenarios and in, in that group. And that was mm-hmm. fantastic. But I wanted to focus on preventing things from happening. Right. And I also had the epiphany, if you will, that while active shooters are tragic when they happen. The the odds of it happening are are still pretty small, getting worse every day, unfortunately, but it's still pretty small. Mm -hmm. But the threats that we face in our communities from human trafficking, sexual assault, abuse, kidnapping, cyber attacks, um, suicide, all of these threats can be prevented if people have situation awareness, they understand what the threats are, and they have a program where they can learn and develop their own personal habits, behaviors their own mindset using a process over a period of time. So we've took our, our e-learning program, our micro, our mission now is to get out to parents, teachers, grandparents, owners of businesses, school leadership um, to allow for programs for people to learn situation awareness, to improve safety, to improve productivity, to improve wellness and to improve being leaders and parents. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, that. That is just awesome. And so this e-learning program that you have, um, is it something that people do every day? How long does it take to learn this skill? And what are the skills that they're learning?
0: Right. So I have a picture of Einstein's definition of insanity over my shoulder in my office. And that's doing the same thing over and over again and not solving the problem. And that's what we've been doing for over 40 years with this traditional type training. There's something that's called the forgetting curve that says, if I teach great content to you today, to all of your listeners within a week, unless that content is reinforced, they will forget over 95% of what I said, and they will not be able to establish habits and behaviors. Right. There's there's the 2190 rule that says it takes a minimum of 21 days to establish habits and 90 days to establish new behaviors. So our micro e-learning program starts with an introduction in the first week. It's five videos, or it can be done in a live event where they're introduced to what is situation awareness. They're introduced to all the threats that we face out there, not just active shooter. They're introduced to the 10 critical personal skills you must develop to have situation awareness. And then we tell them how you actually go about learning this through the process that we've developed. After that introduction, they get content for ninety days, Monday through Friday, that's no more than four or five minutes a day. So it's truly that micro e learning, where we're reinforcing to them with to them what we've already told them, and allowing them to go through a process for them to develop their own situational awareness. Because one of the things that I realized in this other group that I was in before I started the Paratus group is guys with great experience would go in and tell people what to do and how to respond. But the problem is those people didn't have the skills to do that. So it's important to give everybody the opportunity based on their own abilities, the ability for them to develop how they would respond if they had to. But the ultimate goal is prevention. So that's why we start on that side, because when you start with prevention, you develop a process, you develop your habits and behaviors and that correct mindset, you automatically prepare yourself to be able to respond. So we've been doing it backwards for over 40 or 50 years by just teaching people how to respond. Now that when we teach them how to prevent it, we can get the statistics to go down on all of these threats that are out there that are on the rise right now. And we also prepare people with the ability to respond.
2: Mm-hmm. It sounds really in depth and uh, really critical uh, for people to be taking this program. I noticed that on your LinkedIn profile, that you said the world is not a safe place. Um, can you elaborate on this statement? Because it sounds as if there are things that are hidden from our view. And if they're not hidden, how can we recognize them? What clues do we need to be looking for, for the predators um and and some of their things that they're doing to lure I mean I know a lot of you talk about uh the internet and I'd like you to talk about the internet uh on the show but what are the predators um how are they uh, out in society and not uh through a computer how are they luring children or younger young adults
0: yeah. So to the first part of the question, the world is not a safe place. You just, right. look, in your lo- you just look in your local communities and you can see that harassment, assault, kidnapping, cyber, um, human trafficking, um, disruptive behavior where people are getting in arguments over masks today in the grocery store or restaurants right. that didn't happen two years ago. So, and, and people's ability to deal with it because people have lost this skill. It's become a skill that less than one in seven people actually have today. They don't know how to deal with the threats that are out there. They're not prepared to deal with those threats. So what what, what we talk about, even though the world is, is not a safe place today, and all of, like I said, all the statistics on the threats are going up, if the more people that we empower with this capability that have the ability then to also act on what they see and make a difference, that's how we're going to turn the corner and get all these threats to start going down. And you were talking about, you asked the question about how things are, are, are in cyber. One of the key parts of our program is to make people digitally safe so, okay. that, so that people don't have phishing attacks to try and steal information from their computers. You know, over the last two years, over the last year, we've had two major cyber attacks in the United States that caused major disruptions. So that is going on. What we what we also have when it comes to bullying, when it comes to human trafficking, when it comes to harassment, it, it is being done on social media and it's being done on, yes. on, on apps on phones. So we need to educate parents, we need to educate kids that this is going on because human trafficking today, believe it or not, is not how it was 20 years ago where you had to be concerned about your your young your kid or your young child adult being kidnapped off the street or in the, at the shopping mall. Today, mm-hmm. over 90% of all of that is done on the internet where those predators will join in the apps that the kids are on or will join in a gaming system and pretend to be their friend, pretend to be somebody that age and then get them to do something that is embarrassing. Then they start to groom them and that's how they take advantage of them. And that's how these kids become victims. So a big part of situational awareness, especially for parents just yes. to educate is to educate their kids on these threats and to know what to do about it. And that's one of the key things, Rhonda, is we teach that situation awareness is a skill that we all have in us. It's a God-given gift. But most people today don't know about it. They don't know that when you get that hair in the back of the neck or that gut feeling, that's your body and your mind, your limp, the limbic part of your, your mind telling you that there's something wrong. Something has been introduced into your environment that, mm-hmm. you are, that you are worried about, that you should be concerned about. Now, some people get that, but they don't know what it is. They don't mm-hmm. trust it. But then most importantly, because they don't have a process in place, they don't know what to do about it. And because they don't know what to do about it, they don't do anything. They become paralyzed. And when you right. learn... When you learn our process, you identify those things when they're happening, you learn to trust it. But because you've also learned this process, you've already thought through different courses of action to take, and you're not paralyzed, you know what to do to make yourself safe to take care of your family, or to help others. And that's not just from them, you know, being a victim of harassment or human trafficking. But it's also if their behavior is changing, and they're talking about suicidal ideations. See, there's great, there's great programs out there that Can teach or at least let people know what to look for if people are considering suicide. Then there's phone numbers that you can call or or there's things that you can say to that person. But because people don't develop a habit and a behavior and a mindset and the ability to make decisions to take action, most of the time when people see one of those ideations, one of those indicators, they don't do anything. That's how we can make a, di- a change. I've, I've done it personally in my life. I've had people that have worked for me that have stopped somebody from committing suicide because they not only learned to identify it, but then what actions to take. That's how we make a difference. Um, and that's how we work to be able to prevent bad things from happening.
2: Mm-hmm. And I find, uh, and do you, is, there's so much noise out there. I mean, um, adults are on their computers, kids are on their computers, And we sort of tune things out and, and the indicators that you're talking about, is there any sort of indicators that you can show, share with our listeners right now, just in case that they have a situation and maybe their kid's behavior has changed a little bit and they really don't know how to approach that or ask them, or maybe they're spending too much time on the internet and uh, parents need to curtail that.
0: Well, one of the things is parents need to be parents. And over the last 40 years, the personal skills and the ability to be parents has waned. People don't necessarily have the skills today because as generations have gone on for the last 40 years, that skill has not been passed down. So it's... When I started doing the, the, the personal skill program, right? one of the things I would hear all the time is people complaining about millennials and Generation Z about how they're lazy and they can't communicate and mm-hmm. they can't do this, they can't do that. While that may be true and the statistics pointed it out, it's not their fault. Nobody has given them those skills that they need to be able to do that. So the same thing is true with situation awareness. People don't have the skill, but it, it's easily taught. It's easily learned. And then, what we talk about with situ- without, without situation awareness, you can't look for those learning opportunities. Mm-hmm. So you, you may know some of the ideations of somebody potentially being human trafficked, where you know they're getting new gifts, um, they're hiding things on their phone, they're having conversations at times when they shouldn't. Um, you know those types of things. But without situation awareness, parents can't see that. They can't look for those learning opportunities, and then they also don't understand that how to talk to their kids. I'm one of those kids when I was younger, when I was growing up, if my parents told me to do something, half the time I would rebel because I didn't want to do it, especially when teenagers think they're smarter than their parents. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And and (laughs) so, (laughs) so, so what you have to do is offer them opportunities for them to solve their own problems, to change their behaviors and to know that you trust with, you know, what they're doing and when you start that early, when you look for those learning opportunities, because you have situation awareness to instill the behaviors that you want, instead of waiting until your threshold gets to a point where then you intervene after they've established a bad behavior, and now you have to try and mm-hmm. try and change that, um, when half the time that's impossible, it's the learning opportunities that you are able to see with situation awareness in conjunction with knowing what to look for that makes the difference.
2: Hmm. Wow. <laughs> Just such great teachings that you are letting us know about today. You are listening to the Rhonda Grant Show, whose podcast is being treated with digital audio health by Simitrax. And I'm speaking with Brian Searcy today. How may people reach out and connect with you, Brian? And also, how may they um, uh, find this program that you're talking about? Do you offer that program?
0: We do. Um, we have the opportunity. They have the opportunity to enroll in programs at our website, uh, www.paradis.group. But probably the best way, and what I'm looking for, are leaders of communities, um, leaders of PTA programs, leaders of, of programs in schools that basically talk to parents, uh, for us to set up a an opportunity for me to speak in front of those parents educate them on the things that we, we talked today with an introduction, and then allow them to enroll in our program so they can actually develop these habits, behaviors, the mindset that goes along with this. So they can start taking responsibility for their safety, but then they can also start transferring this skill to their kids. And then instead of having maybe 10 pair of eyes in a, in a room of 100 people that are looking for threats, you've got 100 pairs of eyes and that's oh, what tru- and that's what truly makes the difference. Um, so they can reach out to me at uh, brian b r i a n at paradis.group uh, to set up a conversation to do one of those what we're what the way we're trying to do this is to get large communities together introduce them to the need for this and then have them go through the program together Because we introduce in our program some live events where everybody gets on a Zoom and we can share stories that people are having. And that's one of the most powerful ways for people to truly learn how this is. When we started doing this about seven months ago, having these live events, it was a game changer. Um, People truly got to hear about other people. They got to hear about the fact that what's happening to them isn't just happening to them. I talk about the iceberg effect when, um, I talk about our programs where we only see what's on social media and on social media, it's all the good stuff. Nobody sees all the bad things that are, that are underneath it. Mm-hmm. The, the first time we, we did this and added this component, we also added a pre-survey questionnaire. And in that pre-survey questionnaire, one of the questions is asking how many of you individually within your own family or within one degree of separation have had one of seven threats that have happened to you. And these threats included rape, assault, human trafficking, suicide, bullying. Over 95% of everybody that was in that program came back and said that at least one of those threats was personal in their life. And we don't see that. We only see what's on social media or we, we come in contact with our friends and we ask very general questions. How are you? And they say, I'm fine but we don't pay attention to how they say it. We don't pay attention to how they look. We don't pay attention and we're not perceptive about all of the other indicators that should clue us in that Rhonda, you're not doing well today. So I need to ask you a couple of questions to see how I can get you some help. That's Mm -hmm. how we, that's how we make a difference.
2: Yes. And you're so right uh, with, uh, you know, storytelling is such a powerful um, gift that people have That uh, transfers information that stays with them because they can take that story and tell it to someone else. Do you have a story that you can share with us, Brian?
0: Oh, I have have a lot of stories. (laughs) You probably have a lot. I have a lot of stories. Um, I'm not sure where to start. Um, One is that this skill is a contagious skill, and that's how parents look for those learning opportunities. So I talked about a process. So if I go into a, in a into a restaurant, I'm going to identify. I'm going to see if there's anything. And then then the concerns raised I'm going to stop, look, and listen to do that. That I'm going to do an assessment. Can I sit so my back's not to the door? Are okay. there exits that I can that I can use? Do the bathroom doors lock? If I have to send my family somewhere to be safe while I'm potentially doing something, mm-hmm. and then I predict what am I going to do in case something happens today? I'm, I'm feeding my lizard brain in that library. So God forbid something happens. I've already planned for and know what I'm going to do, or at least I have a a library of things to select from based on what the the scenario presents. Well, I never sat my kids down and lectured them on how to learn situation awareness or, you know, you have to learn situation awareness and do this process. Mm -hmm. We would walk, we would walk into restaurants when my kids were young and my daughter would want to sit in a seat that I'm, I knew I needed to sit in. And I'd, I'd tell her, I'm sorry, honey, you can't sit there. She's five years old. She says, daddy, why can't I sit here? And I just explained to her, I have to sit so my back's not to the door. I have to see the exits and I'll have a plan of action in case anything happened. Well, over the next years, those learning opportunities happen all the time. And they would mm-hmm. ask questions. I, my first opportunity to find out that that was successful was when she was 14 years old and we went out to dinner with family friends. And her friend wanted to sit in the seat that I was supposed to sit in. And my daughter told her friend, I'm sorry, you can't sit there. My dad has to sit there. And her, her friend said, why does your dad have to sit there? With his, so his, and my daughter said, my dad can't have his back to the door. He's got to be able to see the exits. And he, he is going to have a plan. And, and he is going to tell us what to do in, in case something bad happens. So that's wow. why I know that this program works. Um, I've got examples of people that prior to taking our program didn't trust the hair on the back of the neck or that gut feeling. Um, one of, uh, one of the people taking the program would drive her car to the same parking lot every morning to go run. And she'd go run for 40 minutes, come back, get in her car and drive home. One morning she pulled into the parking lot and this was before she took the program. She pulled into the parking lot, um, got a gut feeling that said, you should not park here today. You know, that's what her mind told her. She Mm -hmm. looked around, said, there's nothing to worry about. Got out of her car, locked her car, was 10 feet away. And she got that same feeling and looked around, didn't see anything. Said everything's fine. She didn't act on the gut feeling. She went for her run, and when she came back, the back window of her car had been shattered, and everything that was in the car was stolen. So, learning a process, learning how to trust it, is what allows us to take responsibility for our own safety, and allows us not to put ourselves, our loved ones, into situations that could be serious, where we and/or they could become victims. So, it's it's learning this critical skill, learning to trust it, but then when we trust it, we take action.
2: Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, just like the person that you spoke about, they get bad feelings, and they ignore them. And then we all know hindsight's 2020, I knew that I should have listened to that. But then the next time they do it again, we have uh, an innate ability about us to perceive danger, even if you don't see danger. And uh, so I really thank you uh, for bringing that up because people really have to listen to those in- instincts, right?
0: Well, and then you have to develop it as a habit of a behavior and a mindset that you use all the time. And mm-hmm. what, we, what we find, it only takes a few weeks for people to really start using this to actually then see examples in their own life about how it's making a difference when we do programs for schools and for businesses and for some churches, the power isn't only that it makes the school, the business, the church more safe because they're paying attention to things. They are perceptive. They know what courses of action to use. They have developed their 10 critical skills, but they go home and they teach it to their spouse. They go home and teach it to their kids. So they're making their families safe. And then, like I said, the more people that learn this, the more safe we make our communities. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with what was in the news a couple of weeks ago with what happened on the the train. I believe it was in Philadelphia where that woman was being attacked by a man for over 45 minutes and all of the people that were standing around, the only thing that they were doing was videotaping it. Nobody, nobody did anything to stop it. If we can change that mindset that people have and empower them through the development of these skills to not only realize that that's wrong, but be ready to do something about it you know, if all 12 of those people or even a few of those people would have said something and tried to get that person to stop, three or four people can make a big difference. Um, and it's getting people to work together as a group. That's how we make a difference.
2: Mm-hmm. I've heard of that before. What do you know what paralyzes people? It's like they become paralyzed and they do nothing.
0: Well, and that's because they're not prepared. And okay. From my time flying airplanes and and commanding and all those types of things, and General Eisenhower said it very, very well, um, having plans, checklists, those are great things to have, but planning, continuous planning is how you you prepare yourself to do something. And then the other part of that is you can only do what you've thought of. In a crisis situation where your heartbeat gets above 115 beats per minute, you start to lose your your fine motor skills. You Mm -hmm. start to have problems breathing. You start to get tunnel vision. So, if you don't have a prepared, escalated level and you haven't already thought about what you're going to do, that's when you get paralyzed. Like I said, if we go in and tell somebody what to do in a situation and they're not capable of doing that, and that's what pops into their head, that's when they're paralyzed. But if we give them the opportunity to learn what they're capable of doing over time because they use this process, because they're continually thinking every time they go into the grocery store, they do the identify, assess, and predict. They think about, okay, if anything happens in here today, what would I do? They build that library. So then when you're under stress, when you get that hair on the back of the neck or that gut feeling, you've already thought about what you're going to do. So it's not something that you have to think about and mm-hmm. you're not paralyzed. You're not frozen because you've already thought about what to do that, that fits who you are.
2: Right. It's so empowering to have those skills and to be ready Uh, no matter where you are, to take action if necessary. That's remarkable. Do you feel that you've been called to what you're doing, Brian?
0: I absolutely do. Um, When Mm -hmm. I retired from the Air Force before, I I started doing a couple of those things. I went to work for a defense contractor doing business development. And after about 18 months, I truly realized that's not what was meant for me to do. And my wife, uh, God bless her, um, identified that unless I have a mission in life, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be successful. I'm not going to, you know, be out there. Um, you know, unless I'm, I'm, I'm doing that mission. And, you know, she pointed out the fact that, you know, you were in a sales job before you went in the air force, you hated it. You went in the air force, you loved it because you had a mission mm-hmm. and then you went, then you went back and tried to do what you failed at over 25, over 34 years ago, and. Um, So when I started doing these programs, she identified and understands it's my passion. Um, People tell me I'm very passionate when I talk sometimes. You are very
2: passionate. Sometimes over the top. (laughs) No, I love it. Thank Um, you so much for being real and raw and informative. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, but it's all about doing the mission for me. And Mm -hmm. the mission is to get this program non-traditional program, but get a program that teaches habits, behaviors, and a mindset into the hands of as many parents and grandparents as we can, as quickly as we can, Wonderful. So we can start to make a difference.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. So powerful. What extraordinary discovery have you found in your life?
0: The fact that um, it's the mission. And, you know, as I went back and looked at my career in the Air Force, that um, it wasn't the decisions that I made that, that were, or, and I didn't get to do many times in the Air Force what I wanted to do. I was given other things to do because other people that were much smarter than me saw the direction that I needed to go. Also, you know, God was a big part of that, that mm-hmm. he had a plan for my life and it wasn't my plan for my life. So now today, that's where I get my guidance from that's where I believe in this mission. I believe that that's what I'm meant to do now is to educate people on this, the development of this critical skill so that we can get rid of the divisiveness in our country today. I truly believe that by people learning situation awareness, by people having the 10 critical skills, by people learning a process and then what's all of us working collectively, we can, we can make a, a major change in what is going on. And like I said, get rid of the divisiveness and go on and, 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 and flourish in this country that is supposed to be a, a, a democratic republic, and um, that's so. That's my mission every time. Every time I get up every morning.
2: Wonderful. Can you let our listeners know how they may reach you again, and um, if you'd like to spell uh, your company name, I think that would be helpful as well.
0: Yeah. So an, an email is the best way because like I said, we're trying to get groups of people organized and taking a class at one time because that's how we're really seeing the success. So they can send me an email uh, to Brian, B-R-I-A-N at Paratus.group. And that's P-A-R-A-T-U-S dot group, G-R-O-U-P.
2: Have you went global? Thank you, Brian. Have you went global? Are there other countries other than the U.S. that are... Um jumping on board with this?
0: I have had conversations with a, a couple of individuals in a few countries in Europe and in Africa. We haven't expanded there yet, it's large over there, different, but just as large. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that the Proudest Group does, especially when we work with large groups and communities or with schools and businesses, is we co-create the program based on what they see as the threats and what's going on in, in those demographics. So a great example of why to have different programs here in the United States than in Africa is because they have different threats, they have different constraints, they have a whole host of other things that they have to worry about, not even including the language. But the same thing is here in the United States. If I put together a program for the threats and the things that are wrong or are issues in Chicago, they're going to be different than what's out in California. So oh, we yes. work we work with the individual groups to make sure that the con- a big part of the content focuses specifically on what they need and I can go a lot there's a lot more detail that surrounds that obviously But that's one of the key things that we do is we work with them to make sure that the program really resonates and is current with what's going on in their demographic
2: mm-hmm. what a fantastic mission uh, that you have because you're changing you're changing people's lives you're changing the lives of parents grandparents and in and affecting uh their children um, who are going to, uh, as, as what happened with your daughter from five years of age, and she herself are, is going to be able to protect herself and notice things and be able to get help if she needs it. I, I just think it's remarkable what you're doing. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about before we wrap up the show?
0: Well, and one of the things that you just talked about as I transferred that skill to my, ki- to, my, to my daughter and to all of my kids now, when they become parents, they will have this skill and they'll be able to teach their kids. So I kind of look at it this way. If I can make this go viral and we can get it into all the homes and all the households in the United States and everybody learns this skill, I can almost put myself out of a job in 15 years because the five or 10 year olds of today, when they grow up and they have this skill already, mm-hmm. they'll, be able to, they'll be able to teach it to their kids. And then we can continue to perpetuate it, um, continue to practice it. Um, that's the mission. That's the goal. And uh, I I thank you for having me on your radio show so that I could talk about it.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it's life saving. It really is. And, um, and there's nothing more important than that, uh, is to save lives to recognize when people are in trouble, trouble, uh, and to protect those who cannot protect themselves or, or who do not know how to protect themselves. Um, when you talk about the tunnel vision, I mean, I've been in situations where um, you become um, uh, you, you don't become effective at all when you're terrified. I remember being in a boating accident. Um, well, it wasn't. It ended up being an accident, but before the accident, uh, there was things that needed to be done, and because the, we were not prepared, we didn't ever. Nobody ever thinks that they're going to get in trouble, but when you had to act. Uh, And you knew that the possibility here was dying, it's, it's really hard to act, it's really hard to see. And uh, you're shaking, You, you know, you start shaking, and you're no good for anything. Um, and so, I really appreciate everything that you are ta- you've talked about today. It's wonderful having you on the show, and um, I want to thank you so much for sharing your mission. And and those in our listening audience, I mean, if you have um, uh, anything inside of you that you feel that you can be as passionate. About it as Brian is, I implore you today to take action and uh, please uh, reach out and and uh, to Brian and see how you can get involved and be in one of those groups so that you can uh, help your community, how big or how small that community is.
0: Absolutely, and uh, and I appreciate that. And one of the things that you just said that really resonated is people today think that hope is a strategy, and hope is not a strategy. The only uh-huh. way to truly be prepared. And we all hope that none of these things happen, um, but I tell you they're, they're happening every day. It's we, I just got done talking to fourth and fifth graders yesterday, about a hundred of them, and the stories that they're telling that they're going through it truly is that iceberg principle. Almost all of these kids have had something happen to them, whether it's uh-huh. bullying or somebody they think somebody's following them or, or all of these things that are going on. And we've got to energize the parents on on what the threats are, teach them how to learn this skill and then pass it on to their kids.
2: Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you for being a guest on, on my show. I know that this is going to make a difference. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
2: You're welcome. Theme song coming up for The Rhonda Grant Show is Sun on the Water, composed and performed by my friend John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with The Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life. Inventing you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks so much for tuning in.
0: Thanks for tuning in to The Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about
1: Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rondagrantauthor.com. That's rhondagrantauthor.com.